Have you ever wanted to meet your favorite professional athlete? Packers stars of yesterday and today, including Devontae Adams, Amon Green, Jair Alexander, Antonio Freeman, Aaron Jones, and Jamal Williams are all available for bookings right now. Mayfield Sports specializes in these special moments between fans and their favorite professional athletes. Head over to MayfieldSportsMarketing.com to see the full list of available athletes to book your favorite professional athlete at your next event. Welcome to the Game on Fantasy Podcast with your hosts, Tyler Grezegorik and Gage Bridgeford. Welcome back to another edition of the Game on Fantasy Podcast. Uh, as the intro eloquently stated, uh, I'm trying to end my Monday on a on a big note right now. It's been a long Monday for me. I don't know about you, Gage, but as the intro eloquently stated, my name is Tyler Grezegorg. This is Gage Bridgeford. We are here to cover your Week 10 review minus Monday Night Football, obviously because we're recording on Monday, but we will get to the Monday Night Football review on Thursday on our live stream. Gage, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right, man. I got about three hours of sleep last night, so I, <laughs> I've been up since 5:30. So I get the whole long day thing. I took a, I took like a brief power nap before we got started on the pod here tonight. So I, so I should be good to go through here and then uh, enjoy this wonderful Monday night matchup that we got ahead of us. It's a big game, big game for the Packers, big game for uh, the NFC North in general, big game for the NFL. Should be, should be a lot of viewers tonight. Uh, I'm excited to see how this Bears team matches up with the Vikings, who could put on a second half season surge second season second half of the season surge i guess would be like. there you go so You're we're, getting there. we're gonna get better here you know just as uh just as the week 10 did the games got better as the week went along and so are we as we go through this podcast today but we're gonna start with colts and titans oh no we're not because it's thursday night we're gonna start with texans and browns so the Texans and Browns, uh, probably one of the most disgusting games out there, and I'm not talking about the field, I'm talking about the game overall, but the weather had a tremendous effect on this game overall. Uh, there is probably absolutely nothing of note here other than the Browns rushing attack is back. Yeah, no, it is back in a big way. Um, I had people all week long asking me, should I play Nick Chubb, should I play Nick Chubb? And I'm like, you know what? Play him. Because if he because if he goes off like I thought he would, you're gonna feel like an idiot when he's sitting on your bench. And sure enough, 19 for 126 and a touchdown. Could have had a second touchdown. Obviously, we all saw him run out of bounds at the one yard line because he didn't want to be Todd Gurley 2.0. So Chubb came back in a big way. Kareem Hunt 19 for 104 had himself a big afternoon. Had a three catches for 28 yards. You would have liked to have seen a touchdown there, but. It's not. It's it's a good day, and especially after we'd seen Kareem Hunt kind of trend downward, that was a good thing to see out of him. This whole uh, this Browns team got to win football the way they want to win, which is run the ball and take care of the football. Yeah, and you know, I said on the Sunday stream, you know, Nick Chubb coming back this week only boosted Kareem Hunt. Uh, it, it makes them both more viable than uh, either one alone, I think, because they do provide that thunder and lightning element to the backfield but other than that I mean there's really nothing else of note from this game I mean you look at the score it was 10 to 7 perfectly fitting to the weather uh Brandon Cooks had led the 
the Texans wide receivers in targets. Will Fuller right behind him. I'm sorry, they had the same amount of targets, but he led in receptions. Will Fuller had five receptions. Brandon Cooks had six and one more yard than Will Fuller did at 39. So nothing, nothing really to talk about here. I mean, I think you'd expect in a poor weather game that they're not to not be a lot of big plays, which is how the Texans thrive. So uh, overall, I think that this game is just kind of one we throw away and um, seek to analyze another day. Yeah, this uh, there was a less than 300 yards of uh, passing between the two teams combined. And when you have Deshaun Watson on one side, you almost think that there's not a game like there's not a possibility on that happening just because he's so talented and his receiving core is really good. But this game got delayed, what, a half hour from starting? I think kick was supposed to be at one. It didn't kick off till nearly 140 in the afternoon. So, yeah, it's you can't read much, too much into this game. Duke Johnson only having one target on the afternoon is pretty surprising. But this game is really weird. So not a ton to talk about. We can honestly just move on to the next game. Where, where are we heading next? Where's the next trip? We are going to go to Detroit and talk about this Washington and Lions game. Uh, this had a ton of fantasy goodness in it. I think around uh, – let's we'll start, we'll start with Washington, who ultimately lost this game but did cover. Uh, they, they were three-and-a-half point underdogs going into this game, and they lost by three, so they did cover. Uh, Antonio Gibson had two touchdowns here. J.D. McKissick had his touchdown. He wasn't super efficient on the ground, but he did get his touchdown. Uh, so if you're tuned in on Sunday, hopefully you listened there. Uh, he put up a solid 14-point week and half-point PPR formats. Uh, Alex Smith did not have a touchdown passing, but he threw for 390 yards this week. Uh, so you like to see that from him. Captain checked out himself. We've mentioned that a few times. Uh, he actually had the offense moving pretty steadily. Uh, so Terry McLaurin, he's, he's really good. You're playing him a lot. But this is the gaudy number I want to talk about. 15, 15 targets for yep. J.D. McKissage. I so, know exactly where you were going with that one. Because, yeah, what, I think at halftime he had more targets than any other player in the league by, I think, three. Like, I think he had three more than anybody else on any other team, like the re- receivers, running backs, tight ends. He was just a target monster at half, and he had, like, nine. So he got like he only had six in the second half. But it, he did exactly what we thought he was going to do, just, just get a ton of targets, and he was going to do something with him, and that's exactly what happened. Seven for 43, had eight carries for six yards, got into the end zone. That's a good day for a guy that you got as a either a free – like you got as a free agent. You didn't have to draft J.D. Yeah, you picked him up for free. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And then the even bigger storyline on the other side of the ball in Detroit, there is a true running back one, finally. It is DeAndre Swift. We alluded to it a little bit on the live stream that you know, you're going to want to play him this week, even though you're not playing Adrian Peterson. You're not playing any of the other – Lions running backs. Normally, you're not playing running backs against this Washington front anyway. But we liked DeAndre Swift. He ended up putting up 16 carries for 81 yards and complementing that with five receptions for 68 and a score. Overall, a big day for DeAndre Swift, and hopefully this bodes well for him moving forward. Yeah, um, I I know we talked about it briefly, and then uh, when it was announced that he was going to be the official starter, I think I saw that he had over 80% of the snaps. Uh, I believe, obviously, he had 21 touches compared to just what, five for any other running back? And Adrian Peterson, on Johnson had one touch for three yards. I'm not sure why he got out there for that. But the, the D- Detroit's weird. Uh, I like seeing Marvin Jones finally get some action. Eight catches for 96 yards and a touchdown. Had 10 targets, which is great because uh, last week when Kenny, Kenny Galladay was out, Marvin Jones had like four targets all day. He scored two touchdowns, but he didn't get a ton of volume. And you're like, why, why are you doing this? You have good you have good weapons in Swift in Marvin Jones even 
TJ Hawkinson only had four targets, which is kind of weird. What is the logic behind that? I, I don't know. I think it's just a weird tight end landscape in general. I don't – unless you're Kittle, Kelsey, or Waller, uh, there's nobody that's getting consistent target or production at the tight end position right now. It's So it really is Kittle, Kelsey, Waller, and then a huge group of guys, maybe 10 to 12 guys that, that we'd be looking at for that tight end four to tight end 12 area. Uh, so really – I I think it's and even looking league. at Waller, he only had five targets. We're, we're not talking about the, the Raiders game yet. We'll get to it in a minute. But he only had five targets yesterday. It's not even yeah. like he was a lock. It's, I feel like it's only Kittle and Kelsey are only your two locked tight ends. Like, you assume Waller's going to be good. But if he only had five targets, that's only Yeah, one, but one, that's I, only I attribute one more to Drew Locke being off. Or not Drew Locke. Um, that that game was Clark. weird. They, they ran the ball a lot in that game. So, yeah, they did. So I, I I don't really attribute that to Darren Waller and Derek Carr being off, but um, Do you think Marvin Hall's a thing? <laughs> no. I did roster him in a super deep league for a little bit, but no. Absolutely. This not. is his second fifty five yard touchdown this season. Alright, that's fine. I'm not gonna that's fine. That, that's um, a, that's such that's the most random touchdown stat. Like what's your long? Oh, I have two from oh, how far? Fifty five. Oh, what's the other one? No, they're both fifty five yards. I feel like it was a missed opportunity to throw that uh what is it? It goes fifty five, like the song. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah the the yeah. whole FF Ballers thing. Yeah, but that's oh, their. Oh, that's from. I just knew I had it in my head. Yeah, okay. that's the FF Ballers. That's not our shtick. That's theirs. Nope, All yeah, right. Never mind. Not, not much else here. Let's head to New. Or let's head to New Jersey. We had the Giants taking down the Philadelphia Eagles, twenty-seven to seventeen. Oh man, this division sucks. It does. Uh, but it's so bad. Told you, the Giants were gonna win this game. Eagles just. They were they played like the Eagles. Uh, they're getting healthier. They're starting to get some of their players back, but they're just not the same Eagles team that we're used to seeing. Uh, not one bit. Uh, Richard Rodgers was your tied for your second leading receiver. Did you anticipate that? <laughs> that's uh, awesome. <laughs> so you know you had a bunch of guys get a bunch of targets, and that's really how we look at this. Jalen Rager is probably the leading receiver here. Greg Ward had the most receptions, but he didn't have the most targets. So I. It's really difficult to discern anything in Philadelphia right now, especially uh, Alshon Jeffrey. I don't think he's going to become a thing this year. I, I just don't. I think I think Father Time is hitting him a little bit too hard. Uh, I think he's just going to be a complimentary player to, throughout the course of the 2020 season. But, I mean, Carson Wentz didn't have a score. He didn't run the ball this week. Miles Sanders had a good game. I mean... He just That's, didn't get the touchdown. Just didn't get the touchdown. Scott, three for 63 in a touchdown. Corey Clement, one for five in a touchdown. Also, did you see Corey Clement's touchdown run? I did not. It was kind of funny. He He's running, and then he jumped to the left. Like, he jumped at a left angle, and he got hit by somebody at, like, the goal line and then knocked in the other direction. It was just kind of funny. He looked like a pinball kind of flying through the <laughs> air. Um, all, but Doug Peterson hates all of us that follow fantasy because – he knows Miles Sanders should be getting all the work. He knows it. We all know it. But you know what? Boston Scott and Corey Clement are going to continue to be a things. I mean, Boston Scott had four touches to Miles Sanders' 17. Corey yeah, but Clement I'm getting at the fact that he got two, some. One. He had one, tar- one touch. Corey Clement yeah. did. Yeah, I, yeah, and those both turn and those five touches turned into to- two touchdowns. Compare that to Miles Sanders, who I mean, had it's just the effect of having a and no touchdowns. It's the effect of having a number one running back, using him to get all the way down the field, and then you get inside the twenty, or in the, in the case of Boston Scott, you just break off a big one. But 
you get inside the 20, and then you're like, all right, well, he needs a break now. He, we're inside the goal line. He just needs a break. Or we're inside the 20. You know, we're near the goal line. He needs a break. But that's all. That's the only logic I can put to it because I think Miles Sanders is the clear number one. I don't think it's a situation of goal line and outside the 20 situation. I just think they were riding him, and the defense for the Giants was playing physical. Uh, the Wentz wasn't able to do anything in the air. Daniel Jones, however, was was able to run on the ground, 9 for 64 and a touchdown. There's that rushing floor uh, with, with 244 yards and no touchdowns. Uh, but he had, a, he had a pretty good passing day, uh, 21 of 28 for 24, 244. Uh, overall, a pretty decent day for the Giants' offense. Uh, Sterling Shepard, 6 for 47. I think that's what he is. That's who he's going to be. Hopefully, yeah. You're hoping he can get a touchdown. Uh, basically, he's a discounted Tyler Boyd, I think, in that way. Tyler Boyd's going to put up more he yardage. He caught all six of his targets. That's all I can ask for. That's all. if you Because he's going to get five to seven targets every game. And he's going to catch a lot of them. If he can catch a lot of those and get into the end zone, great. But if he yeah. can catch a consistent number of those, he's going to get 40 to 70 yards somewhere in that range every he's a great. Week. He's a great bench option to add to your championship runs because he can be a good flex option to put in there. Like, I know what, I know how many points I can get from Sterling Shepard. I can build my lineup around that. So that type of thinking is how you're going to win a championship. We can start talking about that because the playoffs should start in maybe two weeks for your league, three weeks, I should say, week 13 or week yeah. 14 for probably for most leagues. But uh, Darius Slayton, 5 for 93, still really good. I think we had him ranked way too low in our consensus rankings, and that's going to change this week. Yeah, I think probably part of that was just the Darius Slay effect. We thought that Slay was going to have more of an impact on this game, which, I mean, he continues to not because he's just this this scheme isn't set up for success because you have, oh, you want to run elite man coverage? That's great. You have only one man cover corner. Uh, Avante Maddox doesn't scare anybody. Nikel Roby Coleman doesn't. So it just the scheme isn't set up for success. By the way, speaking of Daniel Jones and his rushing floor, did you see the stat yesterday that he now has as many 30-yard rushing touchdowns this season as Lamar Jackson does? <laughs> I'm not surprised because Lamar has taken quite a step back. Even, even in his rushing work, um, there was a stat out there. I think Kyler Murray is being twice as productive with his rushes as Lamar is or something like that. And I was like, that's yeah, crazy intelligence. I th- I th- I think part of that, you have to factor in that Lamar's just getting more rushing opportunities. Like, yeah, Murray's being more effective, but he, he's just, he's being more efficient with his touches because he's not getting as many versus Lamar is getting more and more well, touches. These were, these were designed rushes. That's how the, oh, that's how the, the calculation the, was factored. So Okay. So that, designed I, I rushes, yeah, not just scrambles and such like that. But let's move on to Green Bay. Um, let's just hey, hey, out. hold on, hold on. There is one player... In this new in this New York Giants offense that you did not talk about that oh. we have to have a talk about. He's not playing. He's injured. Wayne Gallman is. Yeah, but Devontae Freeman's not playing. Man. I know, but you, but Wayne Gallman has been RB three over the last month. He's not playing. Devontae Freeman's I, okay. not playing. He would be. He would be the starting running back on this team. If Wayne Gallman's not rostered in your leagues, go roster him. Go I roster guess. him. Go play him. Because Devontae yeah. Freeman's not coming back in the next couple weeks, but that's not. Still, I I think Devonta Freeman just sits out the rest of the year, unless like unless the Giants are making some weird playoff push. I just think Freeman's done. I think that they realize he's injured and they just shut him down. I don't know about that. I think he's a better running back than Wayne Gallman. Wayne Gallman's pretty bad. Yeah, whatever. Um, and the only reason he's RB three is because he's getting goal line touches. Eighteen for fifty six is not ideal. But Fun not. fact: goal line goal line points count the same as regular as regular touches. All right, we're moving on. Jaguars Packers. Uh, we all know how this game went. Uh, if you're listening, if you're listening to this, you're likely a Packers fan. Um, if you're not, if you're not a Packers fan, you're listening to this. Thank you. Uh, welcome, because we 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 value everybody here, even even Bears fans. Uh, so, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers had three twenty-five or two. Uh, he threw a pick. That was a weird pick. I don't know what he was doing. I think it was just. 
don't he know. For, he forced the ball he didn't need to. I think Sidney Jones behind. made a good play as well. And Sydney, yeah, I was going to say, and Sidney Jones made a good play on the ball. It was a combination of both. So, uh, yeah. we won't see that too often. Uh, he's got more picks, I think, in the last couple weeks than he had all of the last year. But the otherwise, the offense was it was a little stale. I mean, but nothing too concerning, I don't think, in my opinion. I mean, we there was an overall lack of energy from the Packers, which is obviously being addressed by Matt LaFleur and the media. But, I mean, Marcos Valdez-Scantling made a couple big plays. And if he could start becoming the big play threat that everybody wanted him to be, everybody thought he could be, watch out for this Packers offense. It's going to open things up. I think Aaron Rodgers is currently third in the NFL right now in yards per completion at 8.2. And so this offense is making big plays. And so if, if Marcos Valdez-Scantling can continue to do that, then he's going to be a, a wide receiver two upside every single week if, and uh, a wide receiver three flex play um, in almost every format if he can continue to do this. I give him another week, see if he can get over the yips because I think the yips are really the biggest problem. I kept saying it. He's always getting open, uh, and, and getting open is the hardest part. So if he can continue to reel him in, uh, we saw it with Devontae Adams when he was a little bit younger, uh, then he turned into what he is now, which is just an absolute stud. 12 targets for him, 8 for 66 and a touchdown. I, I think we predict a little bit bigger day for him, but this is this is still pretty good. You're not going to complain about this at all from a, from a wide receiver. Yeah, and the crazy part about this game, so we sit here and say the offense was a little stale, it was a little this, a little that. They still had over 400 yards of offense. Like, they still had a objectively good day. A couple day of really of, bad plays. They had a bad Devontae Adams fumble, uh, which was yeah, on the beginning was, of stage of the drive. Weird. That was a good play by C.J. Henderson. He caught him in the middle of that transition, like going from the inside arm to the outside arm, and it was just it was bad timing because if Adams gets that ball shifted over, the fumble doesn't happen. But it's just it was a good play. It was a good play. Henderson's a good young player, and we thought we thought coming into the game, hey, this is going to be a good matchup to watch, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, Devontae only have an eight for sixty-six, but I mean, you got to factor in wind too. Yes, like wind was it was a factor in this game. I mean, it did stop him from ripping that touchdown to Marquez Valdez-Scantling, but anyway, um, Aaron Jones still had a lot of touches in this game. He'll continue to get touches. He just didn't get his touch. He just didn't get a touchdown this week. And so it's going to show. I think he still put up 14 points in a half point PPR format. So you're not complaining about Aaron Jones. Jake Luton, uh, he actually had some decent flashes in this game. I'll be honest. Uh, nothing that you're going to be getting too excited about. But I mean, if let's just say if a couple of his receivers don't drop the balls that they drop, then we could be looking at a different outcome this week. So uh, Jake Luton, uh, I think, has some upside moving forward, depending on the matchup. Uh, James Robinson, 23 carries, 109 yards. That's what you expect from him. He didn't score this week, though. So uh, no score for James Robinson. Keeps his day a little pedestrian. He only had two catches for three, but you're still not complaining if you're getting 10 points every week uh, with a touchdown upside. DJ Chark, 4 for 56. Keelan Cole had himself a day, 5 for 47 and a score. Uh, Chris Conner, yeah, obviously the big punt return for a touchdown. He had, a, I think, a twenty-point day in in uh, leagues that give you points for um, like for special teams touchdowns. Like in our uh, Pack a Day fourteen team league, I had him on my bench. He gave me like eighteen points on my bench. It was it was unfortunate, but you if you started Keelan Cole, you were pretty happy with it. Unless you have a guy, unless you have a guy like Tyree Kill, and you know he's gonna be taking punt returns. I just there's absolutely no way for us to be able to even try and predict those. But yeah. Um, also, uh, actually, I think that's it. I don't think, do you have anything else to add about this game? Because I think it's pretty straightforward. Uh, I, just from a regular football perspective, seeing Green Bay, like their defense, the fact that they couldn't figure it out for three, three and a half quarters that, hey, let's go ahead and press this young cornerback or quarterback and see what he can do like that. Like 
I, I forget who it was. I think it was uh, Book of Eli at Book of Eli NFL. If you guys don't follow him, uh, go do so. He's a great follow, uh, great film study. Um, has, does a lot of good work. He showed that Green Bay for the first like three and a half quarters was playing off, and then when they finally pressed, there was multiple incompletions, multiple uh, forced incompletions, short completions. Uh, he just forced sacks and forced pressure. It was really good to see it for it for this team to just figure out, quit overthinking it, keep it simple. We're trying to do too much. Obviously, we know Mike Pettin isn't going to listen to us. He's going to do whatever he wants. So we don't have to think too much into this game. But it was positive. To see, it was a good sign to see the green, like the defense actually do something that that we're all clamoring for. If all of us can figure out what the right thing to do is, surely an NFL coach can do that. Well, you would think, and this is the last thing we'll say about the Packers defense and Mike Pettin. You would think, based on the personnel he has provided, he has been provided the personnel he has asked for at the cornerback position that he would be running a little bit more bump and run, a little bit more press man coverage. You would think that with Kadar Hallman, Kevin King, Josh Jackson, who they've been trying to coach up a little bit. You would think that Josh Jackson had a good day, by the way. He did have a good day. I will admit that. Uh, But overall, I mean, your, your secondary is built for man coverage. And I don't know what the heck. I don't know what the heck you're doing, honestly. So um, we're, we're going to move on, though. It was nice to see the Packers get a win because the defense made a stop, um, and that was what they did all year last year. So if these two units, the offense and defense, can start to co- like coerce in this way and uh, coincide and who, who's making big plays to win the games, uh, I think the Packers can be just fine. But let's move on to Tampa Bay, Carolina. This is a game where I thought Carolina really had more of a chance, and they kind of hung around for a while. The score is a little deceiving, 46-23. to 23. It was definitely closer than that. Uh, I think Tampa Bay always had control of the game. But yeah. uh, it was in the third quarter, really. I think that's when Teddy Bridgewater got hurt. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater got hurt in this game, and that's when this game just really went down the tubes. So yeah, they really pulled away late in that game because it was it was twenty or it was so seventeen. It was seventeen to seventeen at the half. Right. So it was a tie game at halftime, and then twelve point third quarter, and then they really blew it open late with that seventeen point final quarter. So. And uh, who scored the ninety-eight yard touchdown? And had 23 of the 37 carries. Yeah, Ronald Jones had a good day. You're right. I agree with that. Um, I think that it was – I was really stunned, especially after he fumbled in, like, what was it, the first quarter? No, I saw that, and I got really scared. He fumbled early, and I was like, like, okay, that's it. Fournette had a couple of mistakes yesterday in terms of reading holes. Like, he had one where um, he had had two easy lanes to run in. Yeah, I saw this. He literally could have gone – one way or the other way, he'd been fine. But he went the third way, which was straight. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure straight was, like, into the back of his own guy. And it's like, was. dude, you had two different lanes that you could take for probably seven to eight-yard gains more if you break a tackle. Yeah. And you run into the back of your own guy. I was like, come on now. So that was bad. But, yeah, no, Ronald Jones had a good day. Uh, one, only had one catch for six yards. Uh, but he had, yep, 23 for 192, including a big 98-yard scamper, which that might be the easiest 98-yard touchdown run I've ever seen. Still, it puts a couple things on display. And for me, from this is my player evaluation coming out in me. Um, he made that he made that safety miss at the second level almost seamlessly. Uh, it was He lost no... Um, no Apparently, motion. Trey Boston has been struggling re- frequently this year. Uh, J-Rod Draftscout, Jared Feinberg uh, just said that seeing Trey Boston miss a tackle has been regular. Yes, he made him miss with ease. I don't right. want to... I'm just looking at... like I'm not trying to see... This is this is my galaxy-braining scouting player evaluation coming out right now. It, 
when I look at that play, I, I look for not him, not for him to make the tackle miss. I look for him to see how does he react as a player athletically to that. And the speed with which he hurtled and continued running, the acceleration was on display. I think the athleticism that made Ronald Jones so exciting coming out of USC was on display. The long speed, the stamina that it takes to make a 98-yard ha- run happen, it was on display. Uh, so I, I, it was really positive for those reasons. Yes, it was a straight shot, essentially, for him. He hit the hole, he hit it with conviction, and he made the one guy miss. But uh, there was a couple other things like on display. I like he only had to make one guy miss. That was that was more what I was getting at. Yeah. He got through, and it was one of those, like, why why am I this open? Why is there no one here? He yeah. almost looked kind of confused. Uh, he said in his postgame interview that he uh, looked up at the Jumbotron and saw Jeremy Chin closing in on him, which I think is just a testament to how much of a freak athlete Jeremy Chin is. That's true, too. No one should have been in on that play, and Chin was gaining on him. And if there was probably another 10 yards... Chin may have caught up to him because he's he's pretty fast, dude. All right. So DJ uh, Moore is alive. DJ Moore has he's been al- alive. I think. Do you know that DJ Moore is top ten in receiving yards right now? I believe it because Henry he's average. Both are. I believe it because I'm pretty sure like all of his big games, he's averaged like 90 yards per game. I mean, he's still top ten. He's still top ten in the NFL in receiving yards. Which I agree. Good. I was just saying that, like, when you say that, that stat doesn't sound so astounding to me because. In the games that he's really popped this year, like in the game he had two touchdowns a few weeks ago, was, he had like four for 95 and two touchdowns. This game, four for 96 and a touchdown. And it's not like he's just generating, like he, he generated big plays obviously to get that yardage, but the tw- the touchdown that he scored was a 20-yard screen pass. It was, he caught it, he let his blockers get set up, and he was gone because he's just, he's a great athlete and his ability to get to the hole and really read his blockers and set him up well because he just breaks angles. Like uh, and so I don't want to bury the lead here. We'll move to Carolina here in a second. I want to finish talking about Tampa. Uh, remember a few weeks ago when we were being told to drop Mike Evans? Well, you know, he's still leading the team in targets. So you might not want to do that. Uh, he had another six good game this week. Six or seven and a touchdown. I think Mike Evans is doing exactly what he's always done. And that's why he's been – Never a top-tier wide receiver for Dynasty, but just below that. he Sometimes he has off games. Sometimes he has a game where he puts up two or three for 10, 12 yards, whatever. But these are the games that you look for from him, and I think you get these eight times times out of 10, and uh, that's why I like Mike Evans. So Mike Evans, 6 for 67 to score, 11 targets on the team. Antonio Brown was second on the team in eight targets. So they started getting him involved, but that might not last long, considering the news that came out today. Uh, Damn it. You stole (laughs) my thing. I was about to say that. Yeah, for those that didn't see Antonio Brown, news came out that he destroyed a security camera, threw a bicycle at a security guard. Tried to assault this same security guard. No charges were officially like filed. I believe this was all announced before they signed, before Tampa Bay signed him. Well, it was announced he, now, but it happened two weeks before they signed him. Yes. Yeah. So if you, so I'm just, I just want everyone to pay attention. So Antonio Brown, not only does he have this issue going on, he also has a court case n- next month regarding his sexual assault allegations. And there are a couple of people and that have things to say about that. Antonio Brown could legitimately be nothing more than a two-week rental and could see his NFL season cut short. I have my cut short, honestly. Yes, I have my I have my own personal opinions about Antonio Brown. I firmly I don't believe he belongs on a team. If if you want to come hop in my mentions at Gbridge for NFL and tell me why, that's fine. But I don't think the guy belong, deserves to be on a team. He's wasted every chance he's gotten and. 
from a fan, from a football pure football perspective, yes, he's a talented player. I don't care. You there's other guys that deserve shots more than you do because you can't figure out how to get yourself straight and not make mistakes. Let's move on to Carolina though. Uh, Robbie Godwin, Anderson, real quick. Chris I mean, Godwin, yep, six for ninety-two on six targets. I think what he I want to say good. here is I think the Tampa Bay offense is a little Pittsburgh-esque. Um, all three guys are playable at this point. I know you don't want to admit Antonio Brown is, uh, but I think he's still playable in deeper formats at this point. Until he's not playing football anymore, uh, he is going to be a flexible option. I agree in that standpoint. I, like I said, from a football perspective, he's a talented player. We've seen that he's clearly going to be involved in the offense. It's just, my, my issue with him is more from a personal and off-the-field type deal than his actual play on the field. Clearly, he's going to be involved. He's going to be, like Tyler Setz, in the, like in the Pittsburgh offense where there's just targets abound. There's, everybody's going to get involved. It's going to be the chalk top guys. You're not going to see Scotty Miller coming down with big games. Tyler Johnson's not going to have a freak outing. It's going to be Godwin, Evans, Brown, Gronk, maybe Cameron Braid if he gets into the end zone. And then yeah, the running – yeah, that's honestly it. that's a ton of fantasy options. It's a ton of fantasy value. Don't and then you do have to run into the issue where like just one guy gets featured in a game because he's got a matchup like DK Metcalf to, uh, against San Francisco where everybody was winning, just he was winning better, and so he got all of the work. So fair enough. All right, let's move on to Carolina real quick. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, as we mentioned, did lead this game. He looks to be trending in the upward direction in terms of the injury. It was a knee injury, so we're waiting to get more uh, more information there. PJ Walker came in in his stead uh the running back group as we expected for carolina overall struggled bucks run defense still really good but they were able to make a couple big plays in the air um first one was the dj moore second one was the colin thompson uh wasn't necessarily a big play but a goal line touchdown for colin thompson uh you called that's that, his right? first that's his first ever touch and it's a touchdown <laughs> uh so i don't think there's too much else to glean from this game right now i mean curtis samuel still got some opportunities um he just didn't do much with him this week. Three catches, eight yards, three carries for four. Uh, Robbie Anderson, four for 21 on six targets. DJ Moore, four for 96 and a score on seven targets. So uh, pretty Carolina offense, typical, like, so what I'm looking for. Anyway. And they're going to have easier matchups. There's going to be easier teams than Tampa. Agreed. And hopefully Teddy's back soon because Teddy's awesome. Hopefully. All right, let's move on to Broncos Raiders. Uh, let's get this monstrosity out of the way. It was not pretty for Denver. Uh, Drew Locke, as much as I've defended him in the recent weeks, recent weeks uh, did not play well uh, at all. And there's no sugarcoating to it. He was just poor all around. Uh, and Jerry Judy is the one that gets the most hurt. Because um, there are plays where he's cooking dudes left and right and can't get the ball or it gets thrown at his feet. Uh, KJ Hamler had 10 targets in this game. That's not something I expected coming in. Noah Fant still had seven targets. He'll have better games. Three catches for 18. Uh, Tim Patrick still wide receiver two in this offense with no Cortland Sutton. Uh, with six targets, four for 61. Uh, Deshaun Hamilton, four for 33 on six targets. So they were spreading the ball around a little bit, but I mean, Drew Locke did sling it 47 times this week. Uh, Melvin Gordon had 11 carries for 46 yards. Philip Lindsay kind of got forgotten. I think that they're being careful with Philip Lindsay, making sure he's fully healthy. Uh, but Melvin Gordon and Phil Lindsay did not have a single catch between them. Yeah, on um, three targets, no catches. Drew Lock completed less than fifty percent of his passes. It was a bad afternoon for them. He had a couple of plays, like a couple of those interceptions were, like I'm like I think the fourth one, the fourth one was bad. The two to Jeff Heath, where he was, he got a little too aggressive. Uh, the th- I think it was the third one, or no, it was the second one. The the safety, Jeff Heath, just played it really well. It was in the red zone. He 
Locke had a Locke had a shot, and he just closed the window on him. Like yeah, he, the window is there. A couple of these interceptions, if they don't happen, uh, I think the Broncos win this game. I think Drew Locke has a really good week. Uh, but a couple of the interceptions were at really, really inopportune times. Uh, and the, so maybe Drew Locke can clean that up. I don't think this is the death sentence on Drew Locke as the Broncos starting quarterback. I think this is also only his 10th game he's played and he was dealing with the right. injury all afternoon. Right. Like he, he might got hurt in the week, first, so. he got hurt in the first quarter and played through the rest of that game. Yeah. So I'm not ready to write off Drew Locke by any means. I think that he can be an average level starting quarterback in this league. I think he can, uh, but I'm going to move on to the Raiders side of the ball. Nothing really to talk about the passing game. They passed yeah. the ball 25 times. They didn't have to take deep shots. Uh, Derek, Darren Waller is still your leading receiver in, the, in that entire room. Wide receivers, tight ends, running backs. Henry Ruggs uh, at four targets, three for three for 31 there. Josh Jacobs, four targets, four for 24. Uh, Brian Edwards, one for one target here. One target, one catch for 16 yards. He showed up. Yeah, he, yeah, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, his one catch. I, I, this was. I was flipping back and forth between a few of the games. And this was, and I caught this his one catch of the day, and it was it was decent. It was Brian Edwards esque. Like we like we know what to expect from him. He's not going to do anything overwhelmingly athletic. Like he's good. He's a good athlete for his size, but he's not like a supreme athlete. He went beat he beat his corner and did a little bit of run after the catch. Got out of bounds. It was good play by him. But he's just yeah. There's too many receivers on this offense. Like too many receivers, not like and no elite guy. They said during the broadcast that the Raiders throw to the receiver position less than any other team in football. That that does not surprise me. When you have Henry Ruggs, who is more of a, I don't want to call him a gadget player, but he's a specialist. And then you have Hunter Renfro, who is a reliable option, but you're not going to feature him heavily. And then Nelson Aguilar and Zay Jones. There's just the pieces in this wide receiver room aren't pieces that you're going to be like, oh yeah, we got to get them involved. They're going, you're going to go feature Darren Waller. You're going to feature Josh Jacobs, who we haven't even talked about him. Let's get to him. Twenty-one carries, 112 yards, and two touchdowns. Hell of a day for Josh Jacobs. Devontae Booker had a good day. Sixteen for eighty-one, two touchdowns of his own. This offensive line is one of the best in football. There's a reason that they knocked off the Saints in like what was it, week two, week three, and made all of us look silly for thinking the Raiders are going to get walloped. If this team can play football how they want, similar to the Browns, where they want to block really well, run the football well, and take care of the ball, they can win games. It's just the problem is their defense is going to be an issue. They're not going to have a quarterback gift them four picks every week. Their defense isn't good enough. The Browns' defense is talented, while inconsistent, at least talented, can make plays. The, the Raiders have a lot of holes in a lot of key places on that defense. But let's move on to Chargers and Dolphins. Uh, this was a good game in its own right. Uh, Tua, I think Tua's a real deal. Uh, we talked about this on the Sunday stream. Uh, he didn't have a great fantasy day, but he, when you watch the game, he has control of this offense. He's making some He's making some really nice plays, some really nice strides, some really nice reads uh, from that quarterback position. Uh, he had this offense pretty running pretty efficiently up and down the field. I mean, 14, 3, 3, and 9, if you want to look at their scoring by quarter. Uh, they So, Salvan Ahmed, 21 carries, 85 yards, a score. Uh, I picked him up. I picked him up last week. I think the moment I saw he was getting carries, I knew what a mess this Miami backfield was, and I started picking him up. So we probably should have touched on him earlier. But uh, Salvan Ahmed, uh, 21 carries, 85 yards. They cut Jordan Howard today, so it looks like it's yeah. going to be the Salvan Ahmed show, unless Matt Breida comes back, unless Miles Gaskin comes back, and they take the job. But I think when Gaskin comes back, he'll take the job. Breida, when he comes here's back, my he thing. Won't. I think Ahmed has been the most explosive of the three. And that's why I say he, I think he keeps the job. 
I don't, I don't think that he keeps control, but granted, we haven't seen them in the backfield at the same time. You also have to factor in that these, both him and Gaskin went to Washington at the same time. And Gaskin was the lead guy until he left. And then as soon as he left, Ahmed took the role. But when Gaskin was there, he was the guy. I understand that this is not college. This is the NFL. I get that. But it's just, it's something to keep an eye on. And if you're relying on either one of those guys, Things could get real weird when the playoffs come around, so don't be looking for other options. Don't be like preparing to have them as a key piece for your playoff run. And then uh, leading wide receiver Jakeem Grant in the receiving court. Uh, Devontae Parker had seven targets. He just didn't do much with them. Uh, two carry, or two receptions for 31 yards. Call that the Casey Hayward treatment most likely. Uh, Mike Kosicki, two receptions for 40. Jakeem Grant, four for 43. Uh, I wouldn't get too excited about Jakeem Grant. Just going to squash it now. Uh, Devontae Parker is still the only wide receiver I want here. Mike Kosicki is the only other receiver I'm taking, period. Uh, yeah, and he only he had, he had did have five targets, which is good, but, I mean, I I can't put a ton of stock in it. Not yet. I give it another week. If he puts up another five targets next week, then maybe. Uh, let's move yeah. out of the Chargers side of the ball. Justin Herbert looked flustered a little bit in this game. For the first time uh, as a rookie, I think that he looked um, not defeated. He didn't look defeated. That's not the right word, but he definitely was um, – he was definitely trying to It didn't to make... look as easy. No, it thank you. That's what easy. I'm trying to say. Thank you, yes. Uh, it did not look as easy for him, uh, and he it showed a little bit he threw a pick. I mean, whatever. He threw a pick. It's going to happen. But um, It's going to happen when you go against two of the league's best corners in the same day. Yes. Uh, and then on the rushing side of things, the 18 carries, 68 yards, 7 carries for 20. I'm sorry, 18 carries for 68 for Ballage, uh, and then for Cali with 7 for 21. So uh, are you buying into the Ballage hype? Uh, yeah, Kalen Balage as long Balazs. as Eckler and as long as Eckler is out and as long as Justin Jackson are out, Balage is the guy. Well, Jackson won't be back in time. I think Eckler comes back before Jackson. I think Eckler comes back probably next week. But yeah, if Eckler, whenever Eckler's back, Eckler's the guy. There's no and Balage isn't gonna steal touches from him. I will just say this: he has looked much better than he ever did in Miami and New York. I just. That's just the truth. You mean he looked good <laughs> when he wasn't playing under Adam Gase? Yeah. Who would have thought Adam Gase, you literally just... <sighs> I'm sure you're a nice person, but come on, dude. Come on. You're supposed to be an offensive mind, and, and every single player that leaves you plays better. How? How does that happen? Yeah, it's pretty uncanny, actually. Uh, let's go to the receiving uh, area of the box score for the Chargers. Keenan Allen, 3 for 39 on 7 targets. He did get a score, so he saved his day there. Uh, Mike Williams, 2 for 38 on uh, 5 targets. Never loved him this week, but uh, he has had a tough matchup. And Kalen Balazs at 6 targets, 5 for 34. Hunter Henry saved his day with a touchdown. 4 for 30, a score on 6 targets. Jalen Guyton also had 6 targets, 4 for 24. Uh, anything else to mention here? I mean, I think this is all pretty, pretty Chargers cut and dry. Yeah, it is. And it's, you also, like, like we always talk about, you have to factor in the matchup that a player was going up against. I know everyone's like, oh, well, the guy's got to perform regardless of matchup. Whatever, dude. The way, when you see a player with a bad matchup, like Keenan Allen, you're going to play him. But Mike Williams, there are weeks, like, against the Raiders, you're going to play him because he's got potential for a big day. In this matchup, I wasn't playing him. I was actively looking for other options because he was going up against Byron Jones and Xavier Howard, who are two of the better corners in the league and probably the best corner duo. When fully healthy, Xavier Howard's a ball hawk. Byron Jones has got the physicality and athleticism to stick with anybody. So they had a bad game against a against a in a bad matchup. So it's chalk. You, what you expected to happen happened. So 
when they have better matchups moving forward, which they will, you'll be able to play Mike Williams with more confidence. Keenan Allen will have better days, and you will enjoy the fantasy rewards when it happens. I completely agree. Let's move on. Bills Cardinals. This is actually going to be a fun game to talk about. Ended on a Hail Mary. Uh, but we'll talk about the Cardinals side in a second here. We'll, we'll end this one with a bang. But Josh Allen, uh, 32 of 49, 284 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, added seven carries for 38 yards. Josh Allen-esque game. Nothing really to dissect there. Uh, he, you know, but the one thing I do want to know with Josh Allen, uh, fantasy-wise, absolutely no qualms here. He throws the picks, but that's Josh Allen. All right. But the one problem I do have with Josh Allen, the football player, and the Bills quarterback, is we're starting to see a little bit of the regression towards last year, where he was making some really bad decisions. And they didn't necessarily come back to bite him in this game. I mean, they ended up losing. But they were not, like, the mistakes he was making did not really come back to bite him. There were a few plays that were just incredibly boneheaded, and he's going to have to clean those up moving forward if the Bills are going to be a serious contenders in the AFC uh, and for a Super Bowl period. So... The running back group for Buffalo continues to look like a mess. I, I'm probably avoiding it until further notice because I don't know what they're doing. I don't know who. I don't know why all of a sudden Singletary stopped getting carries. I mean, he was he was effective with his carries, and now all of a sudden they're just kind of giving the ball to Zach Moss, who is less effective than Singletary. But uh, I don't know what they're doing. So. Yeah, I'm not playing him if I don't have to. Uh, I don't know who is the guy to have here. Uh, it's unclear who you need to be playing and. If I don't have any, I don't even have like a possibility of a read. Like I don't have a logical path to, oh, it's going to be this guy. I, I don't have that. Zach Moss had eight catch or eight touches for 17 yards. Singletary had five touches for 10 yards. It's just these, like they were separated by just a handful of touches. They were hit, separated by just a handful of yards. Couldn't get anything going on the ground. Josh Allen was the was the leading carrier or the leading rusher on the day. He also had a catch for 12 yards for a touchdown, which was awesome. So just it's un- – so this – yeah, the, yeah, this backfield's weird. Um, I don't have an inkling on who to start. And as long as this offense remains the way it does, find other options other than these two running backs because you can't start either one right now. Uh, let's move on to the receiver group. Cole Beasley rebounded in a big way, 13 targets, 11 catches, 109 yards, and a score. Savon Diggs, still really good, 11 targets, 10 receptions, 93 yards, and a score. John Brown was serviceable before he left this game with an ankle injury, which was something to monitor. Uh, eight targets, six catches for 72 yards. So all three wide receivers were proving to be viable. Uh, hopefully John Brown can come back sooner rather than later. No John Brown. Gabriel Davis immediately steps up in value, and he becomes a flexible option depending on the matchup. Uh, yeah, and the one thing about John Brown is, uh, so I don't know, Tyler, if you saw his injury that he sustained late in the game. Um, it didn't look good. Yeah, it didn't look good. Um, a lot of that's the only reason I'm having optimism. But yeah, I'm ho- I'm hoping I'm hoping for the best because I like John Brown as a player. I like him as a fantasy player as well. But it, it just it didn't look good. Like he got whole body weight, fell down on top of his ankle. Hopefully it's not as serious as it initially looked, but it is something to keep in mind. If he does miss any time, Cole Beasley is going to have consistent fantasy value. No doubt. I agree. I think Cole Beasley had a blip in the radar last week. But let's move on to this Cardinal side of the ball and talk about a pedestrian day from Kyler Murray. 245 yards, one score. Oh, wait, no. He had 11 carries for 61 and two touchdowns, so he still put up a 30-point week in most formats. Uh, Kyler Murray is your quarterback one, I think, right now. I I don't know if he is statistically, but I'm saying he's my quarterback one. I, I think he's rather matchup-proof. Uh, I, I just don't 
Patrick Mahomes maybe is probably the only one. I was going to say, Mahomes is the only one I'm putting over him right now, and that's exclusive. It is because Murray's rushing floor does make such a huge difference. But for me, I'm putting Mahomes over him because I've seen Mahomes do it more and more. I've seen um, Mahomes have like the ability to light up any matchup. There's this idea that players are matchup-proof. Mahomes is one of those guys. Murray is rapidly entering that conversation. Don't get me wrong. But Mahomes is to the point with the receiving weapons that he has and the scheme that he has. Granted, he could be without both of his starting tackles this week because Eric Fisher and uh, who's the other one? Mitchell Schwartz were both just placed on the COVID list, not as not as diagnosed with COVID, but they were deemed as close contacts. So as long as they test negative throughout the week, they'll play. But I just I, I think Mahomes is still I think he's still the best quarterback in football for fantasy. Murray is rapidly nipping on his heels as the QB one. And I could and I'm not going to fight somebody that makes the case for Murray at one. I wanna like I'm not going to fight against though, them because I think it's very Lamar Jackson esque in terms of the conversation. Where were you buying into the Lamar Jackson hype at this point last year? As a was in a dynasty perspective, because I'm buying into Kyle Murray. I was not buying into Lamar Jackson. I was not buying Lamar last year at his price because his price was so high. It got so high so fast, and I and guys that come out of nowhere like that, I just can't. I can't go into it. Uh, like Murray has come out of nowhere this year, but it's not really nowhere. He's doing everything he was doing last year. He's just doing it better. And when you have New Hopkins on your roster, you're, that's going to happen. When Christian Kirk is healthy and taking that next step, that's going to happen. So I think that I'm buying into I'm buying into Murray. I can't. You can't go buy him. You you can't because you're going to have to give the Brinks truck a Brinks truck offers in order to get the in order to get any owner to move off of them, especially in Superflex. You kidding me? I saw someone the other day try to tell me that that Kyler Murray was like the the number one QB for the moving forward for Dynasty. And while I love Kyler, I can't put him higher than two. I just can't do it. Because Mahomes has locked up with Andy Reid for the long term, has all of his weapons, has a GM that is willing to put move heaven and earth to get him all of the pieces he needs to be successful. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I, I, I can have, I see the argument for him being QB one dynasty wise. I also see the argument for him being QB two. Um, yeah. I, I personally, like I, said, I got I'm, in early on all my Kyle Murray shares. So I'm good. Like, I, like I said, I'm not going to fight you. If you want to put Murray that high, I'm not because I can see the, the case to make putting in there. I'm not going to put him there yet, but I can see a case, and I'm not going to say, oh, you're just dead wrong. All right, let's look at the running backs for Arizona. Kenyon Drake had the definitive hold on this running back group on Sunday. 16 carries for 100 yards. Chase Edmonds, 8 for 56. We already covered Kyler Murray. Um, I think this holds. I think this type of ratio holds. And if you're getting 8 carries and 60 yards from Chase Edmonds, you're hoping he can fall in the end zone because he's going to get some receiving work as well. Uh, he's going to get more receiving, more receiving work than Kenyon Drake. So I still think Chase Edmonds is a flexible option with Kenyon Drake healthy. Kenyon Drake is still an RP2 when he's healthy. You know what the craziest part about Kenyon Drake not getting as much receiving work as Chase Edmonds is? What's that? Kenyon Drake, Kenyon Drake was a receiver in college. <laughs> I know. I know. He, played, uh, he played at Alabama, right? I think... Yeah, he played at Bama, and they used him in like that gadgety, like do everything role. And it's just funny to think 
yeah, Chase Edmonds is going to get more receiving work when Chase Edmonds is a running back and Kenny Drake is a receiver convert. So I just it's like hearing that out loud, I'm just like, huh, that's weird to think about. You would think that the former receiver would be the better receiving option, but yeah. And then DeAndre Hopkins is also a hashtag very good. Uh, Christian Kirk is probably a flex option. Um, Still a flex option. He just option. he he had a shot at a touchdown and didn't come down with it. And I think that like I think he caught nearly caught one in the end zone. And Kyler Murray ended up running the ball in after the incompletion. So, but no, Christian Kirk's still a viable flex option. Yeah, he had a down week, but that's okay. Yeah, Nothing down weeks are gonna happen. Here. Nothing else I'm done yeah. here. Uh, it was a fun game to no. watch, though. I, I I definitely enjoyed watching the game. I had no idea who was gonna win at any point, and um, I I did bet on the game at Cardinals as three point favorites, and I was I saw heartbroken. I saw that. I decided to take a knee on the two point conversion. I was heartbroken. Anyway, yeah, I saw, um, I saw, buddy. It was such a, it was such a roller coaster of emotions because I was like, oh, Cardinals are gonna cover. They got this. Like they're gonna get, they're gonna get a field goal. They're gonna go up by six. And then they didn't get a field goal. And then the, and then um, Buffalo drove down and scored with thirty seconds. And I'm like, oh my god, they're gonna win the game. Buffalo's gonna win the game. And then they score and they get a hail mary. And I'm like, oh my god, they're still gonna push. And then they two point kneel on the rip. Anyway, let's move on to Seattle and the Rams. This was an interesting game in itself. I definitely thought Seattle would perform better than they did. Uh, Russell Wilson looked like dookie in this game. He did not look good. Wow. I'm sorry. He did not look good. Some of the mistakes he was making, uh, I don't know why he had this just nagging desire. Because his defense made him throw the ball, man. Are you kidding? You're being sarcastic, right? Yeah, you've you, you, wait. You saw those that that the argument, argument yes. today, right? Yeah. Yes. No. P, okay. So for those that didn't see it, because I want to give everyone context to my extreme sarcasm here, there was a argument going around on one of the talking head shows. I can't tell you which one because I don't watch them because I think they're all generally stupid. That the only reason Russell Wilson was throwing the ball as much as he was was because he no, had this as, field as much oh, and aggressively as he was. Two two parts was to that. because. Yeah, because his defense is so bad, he has the feeling that he has to constantly win the game and win it by himself. Obviously, for those of you that are Packer fans and have been here for the last decade and have seen Green Bay have a largely suspect defense, know that that is 100% baloney because Aaron Rodgers has been one of the most risk-averse quarterbacks despite still having to be Superman, and he does it every single week. So disregard this nonsense of oh he's only doing it because his defense is bad shut up actually wait was it dan orlovsky was that who it was was. i think that's who it was and if that's the case that's his like second or third bad take this year because he's also the same guy that said like they had to play tua because he might not be the guy anyway russ made bad choices that ball in the end zone was absolutely boneheaded that might be one of the worst uh decisions i've ever seen an mvp level quarterback make that there was were, bad. There were multiple of those throughout the game as I watched. There but that multiple. specific one in the end zone, there was no, there's, there was no case to be made. Yep, gotta throw this ball. There's none. Like the defense, you're gonna, you're gonna tell me the defense is that ball here. They gave up 23 points to an effective, efficient Rams offense. No, I'm sorry, that's not the case. The Ram, the defense did enough. It was the offense's job. The way that this team is built right now, the offense's job to put up the points to beat the Rams, and they did not. Um, but let's just look at this from a fantasy perspective here. Tyler Lockett led the team in targets. Uh, he was a little bit delayed in taking his week back from DK Metcalf, but he did. Uh, so 5 for 66, no score. He did get injured, so something to watch throughout the week. If he does not play, 
If he does not play moving forward, DK Metcalf is obviously a top three play probably every single week until Lockett comes back. I don't think the injury is that serious. I think Lockett plays, but uh, let's look at the receivers because I don't think or the running backs because I don't think there's much to talk about with the receivers. Uh, Alex Collins led this backfield and carries. This is all this is all moot once Chris Carson comes back, which they yeah, think, think he could come back. They they said they're trying. It is a Thursday game, which does not help his case. So. Hopefully Chris Carson plays because this offense is better with he, when he's in it. Yeah, uh, it is. Um, yeah, I, I think, and I saw a touch, like kind of a touch slash snap breakdown today. And Collins obviously led; he had most touches, most snaps, but it wasn't like a dramatic. It's not like the Chris Carson versus like Carlos Hyde slash DJ Dallas split. It was much much closer than that. This was more like the Arizona like Kenyon Drake versus Chase Edmonds split, like Kenyon Drake or. Alex Collins had the most touches, had the most work, but it's not like he blew out everybody else. No, not at all. And so let's move to the Rams side of the ball. Jared Goff actually had a decent day. He didn't have a touchdown to show for it, but he had 27 of 37 for 302. No scores, no interceptions. He did he did what he needed to do for this offense. I don't think he kind of I don't think he arrived at the upside we thought he could this week, but I'll, what is it? 12 points in most formats for uh for yards. So I think yeah, it's just okay. he offers no run. He offers nothing in the running game. So, right. he, so he has like, like days like this. Yeah. So um, the Rams' backfield, though, is exactly what we thought it was. It's a freaking mess. Uh, 10 carries for Cam Akers for 38 yards. Uh, he didn't get a touchdown. Malcolm Brown, 6 carries for 33, 2 touchdowns. Daryl Henderson, 7 for 28, 1 touchdown. This Rams' backfield is an absolute disaster fantasy-wise, and I don't think you can play any of the three, any of them, until we get some clarity, or if there's an injury, maybe some, maybe something can come to light. Then that's the only time I think we're gonna be able to play anybody from this Rams backfield. Yeah, it's gross. Um, I had to do write up like fantasy write ups on this game or on this backfield last night, and I was super confused. I was like, I don't know. I I can't tell you why it's happening like this. Cam Akers flashes and looks good, but it just it's so inconsistent. You can never be like, yep, this is what's gonna happen. Daryl Henderson's gonna be the guy. I can't. I can't guarantee that. I can't promise you that. Come on. So yeah, it's it's gross. You're who? Are you, okay, if you have to play one, because we talked a number of times. We've talked about Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. You can't play them. We can't just tell everybody you can't play people. If you have to play one running back, who are you playing? Daryl Henderson, because I think he gets the most consistent workload. I think he gets the most touchdown workload of these three, but. Man, I think there's an argument to be made for anybody but Cam Akers at this point. Uh, just in general. That makes me sad. As someone that likes Cam Akers, that makes me sad. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, I, I just, I don't know. I guess I'm taking Daryl Henderson, but I don't love it at all. Uh, let's move on to the wide receivers. Uh, weird day. Not going to put too much stock into this, but Josh Reynolds led the team in targets and receptions and yards. Uh, 8 for 94 on 10. Uh, Tyler Higby had 3 for 60 on 6. Cooper Cup 5 for 50 on 7. Robert Woods, th- 5 for 33 on 6. Excuse me. Um, just another weird day. So, uh, not going to put too much stock into the numbers here. Uh, Cooper Cup's still good. Cooper Cup's still really good. Robert Woods still really good. Josh Reynolds had a good day. One statistic I want you guys to keep in mind. So, at the as of the end of week four, Josh Reynolds actually has more targets than Robert Woods on the, like, in that stretch, so since week four, Josh Reynolds actually has more targets than Robert Woods. You're not going to read a ton into that, 
because Robert Woods is still getting a lot of work, but it is something to pay attention to. You have a guy that you is generally a consistent wide receiver too. He's now being consistently out-targeted by the guy that we thought is the wide receiver three on this team. Well, Robert Woods could be a cap casualty going into next year uh, with the reduction in salary, um, the salary cap, and the amount of money he makes. Uh, they did just extend him, though, I think, so... It's a weird situation there in Los Angeles. They don't. I mean, it's not like. Was it a re- extension or like a rework? I think of his deal. I don't. I, I think it's like a two-year extension. Pro, pro, I didn't see it. I wasn't sure, so I wasn't sure if you knew yeah. like offhand. I'm pretty sure it was an extension, but I'm um, pretty sure he could be a cap casualty as well. The Rams have a history of doing that, not really thinking about the financial side of things, just kind of doing things and then trying to pick up pieces later. But let's move on to New Orleans and San Francisco. New Orleans teetered around that 10-point favorite all game long. Uh, ultimately, Drew Brees got injured in this game. There was no passing work to be had anywhere. Uh, Elvin Kamara did get 7 for 83 in a score. Both those numbers are astronomically higher than anybody else. I mean, Damien, uh, Deont- Damien Harris. Deontay Harris had 4 for 24 but that's it. Michael Thomas at 2 for 27. I, I'm not putting much into this game. This was such a weird game. I think it's exactly what I expected out of Saints and Niners. It turned into a defensive battle. Uh, Jameis Winston made an appearance. Taysom Hill got more work than he should have. Nine, I mean, looking at, Murray, this, looking at this box score makes me so happy because I have been down on Taysom Hill. I keep telling people he's not a quarterback, not a quarterback, not a quarterback. Sure enough, when the Saints, when the chips are down, who do you put in as your quarterback when your starter is out with an injury? Not Taysom Hill. You put in James Winston because James Winston's a quarterback and Taysom Hill is a gadget player. A very talented and athletic gadget player at that. But he's a gadget player. James Winston's a quarterback. So I have a question for you, though. Given James Winston's propensity to attack downfield, who is the wide receiver that benefits most from his emergence as the backup starting quarterback? Michael Thomas. Okay. I know that that's a really like weird answer because you're like, oh, he's the wide receiver one. No, it's Michael Thomas because the whole issue with Michael Thomas is that Drew Brees doesn't have the arm strength, so that's why he's broken out this slant boy mentality over the last couple of years. But he's he's better than he's he's better than two for twenty seven. He caught set. He only he had seven targets. Didn't do much with them. But then again, no one in the passing game did. He is still the best receiver in this offense, and it's not particularly close. Like I like Manny Sanders. I like Traquan Smith, but they're they're not. They're not alpha dudes. Michael Thomas is an elite fantasy wide receiver. He's just had a bad couple of games, and he hasn't gotten his feet under him yet. So it's Michael Thomas for me because Jameis can take those shots down the field that Michael Thomas can win. He can take, he can push the ball down the field. He can do more, and it, honestly, it opens up the entire offense. You could see guys like Traquan Smith start to break out. Deontay Harris could get a deep shot every like if, if Deontay Harris doesn't get a deep shot every game. Same thing goes for Traquan Smith. They're doing this whole offense thing wrong. You don't have to dramatically change how the offense works, but get like let Jameis do what he does best, which is use his athleticism and his arm to push the ball down the field. Yeah, and it looks like Drew Brees is going to be out for a hot minute. I think they said two to three weeks optimistically, so I I would be willing to bet it's going to be somewhere in the four to five to six range. Um, but this is the second straight week that Latavius Murray has gotten more carries than Elvin Kamara. Um, just something to note, uh, flexible option, touchdown upside, Latavius Murray, uh, probably if he's in your, if he's on your waiver wire, you should probably go pick him up just in case there ever is a, a Kamara injury. Uh, he's going to become a very valuable piece in redraft. Kamara had three touchdowns yesterday. Yeah. Sorry for interrupting you. I didn't realize he had three touchdowns on the day. 15 yards, seven for 83 in the receiving room. 
I didn't realize he had three. I knew he had the receiving touchdown, and I was pretty sure he had gotten in for a rushing touchdown, but I had no idea he had gotten three total on the day. So yeah. Let's come on to San Francisco, though. Nick Mullins is still Nick Mullins. Not much to talk about there. Uh, San Francisco, uh, in the running back department, Michael Hasty got hurt. It is the Derek McKinnon show right now. There's absolutely nobody else in his backfield that is going to take carries from him, and he's not, he's not that good either. 18 carries for 33 yards. So, yep, just to pat myself on the back, if you read my sit, start sit column over at Dynasty Nerds, Jarek McKinnon was one of my sits of the week, and this is why I didn't care about how much volume he was going to get. If he got a touchdown, I was going to look like an idiot. He didn't get a touchdown. He he had what forty? So he had nineteen touches for forty six yards. Great. You had barely over two yards per touch. I was pleased because I was right. I didn't think that Jarek McKinnon, like until Mostert, Mostert or Tevin Coleman are back as the alpha dog. I don't want any part of the San Francisco backfield. Uh, Jordan Reed is the tight end to own in San Francisco for fantasy purposes. Brandon Ayuk is the only receiver you're going to want, wide receiver you're going to want. Uh, Debo Samuel should be back next week, though, and I think he proposes an interesting um, scenario. I don't think Ayuk's work goes down, so it's a matter of how much work does Debo Samuel steal from everybody else, i.e. Richie James, Kendrick Bourne, uh, those kinds of guys. So Yeah, I, think- I like Brandon Ayuk, uh, 7 for 75 and touchdown on 14 targets. That was a big day for him. Also, one thing for those that are competing for the playoffs in fantasy, pay attention to the matchups that you have coming up. Um, I didn't mention it on the – I didn't mention on our Rams segment, um, but I will as, the, as we go over the next few pods and live streams here. The Rams have a terrible playoff matchup, like, scheduled. They, I think they play – just like three different playoff teams. One of them is the 49ers. Just it's not good matchups for him. So don't. So just start looking ahead. Um, if you own Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, maybe think about floating a trade out there. Try and move on from him. I saw a guy today did a Dalvin Cook and Robert Woods for Alvin Kamara and Will Fuller deal. I love that because the Texans aren't going to shut Will Fuller or Deshaun Watson down because they have no benefit to doing so. There's no, there's no benefit to them shutting anybody down for and versus and Alvin Kamara is definitely not going to get shut down so start looking ahead to your playoff matchups look and see who's got good matchups like Seattle has they have the Rams again in like week 16 but they have the Giants the Jets and I think the I think the Eagles are their other matchup I think that's who it is it's three it's three really good matchups for fantasy in the fantasy playoffs so start looking ahead Pay attention. That's the, those are that's how you win a championship. You don't win a championship in week sixteen. You win it in week ten and eleven when you start looking ahead and you outsmart everybody else in your league. Agreed, and that's what I'm doing in my con, my contending dynasty league right now. I'm looking for running backs that have a really good favorable uh, playoff schedule, so I can just add them for a second, maybe a second round pick plus, uh, or throw a, a receiver because I'm usually really deep at receiver based on the way I draft. Uh, just kind of trying to add that last running back to add a piece, and I'm, that's exactly what I'm doing as well. I'm looking at the schedules and trying to find the best. Best matchups for those weeks, but let's move on to Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. Uh, we're down to our second to last game here. Ben Roethlisberger had a heck of a day, three thirty-three and four. Uh, overall, the offense did not run the ball a lot. I mean, James Con- James Conner still the clear running back one. They just did not run the ball a lot. Deontay Johnson six for one sixteen and a touchdown. Juju Smith-Schuster nine for seventy-seven and a touchdown. Chase Claypool four for fifty-six and a touchdown. No, two touchdowns. Oh, you're right, two touchdowns. I misread that. Yes, so. That all three, all three are relevant, and uh, I don't think there's much else. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty chalky here. Not a lot to talk about. Tyler's got some uh, dish work going on in the background, so he's going to go ahead and let me fill in for him here. Uh, Eric Ebron had a down day, only had two for 38 on six targets, so he's still getting a ton of volume. He's still he's relying on a touchdown, and that can give him a big week. But like Tyler said, all three of those receivers are fantasy viable. The, I doubt they're all going to score touchdowns every week, but the yardage to this offense puts out is great. They're humming. Their second, their schedule to end the season is really good. Uh, Tyler could be really awesome and pull up the schedule here for Pittsburgh, and that would be really good. Uh, let's move on to Cincinnati while he gets on that. Joe Burrow, 213 yards and a touchdown. Uh, just not a great day out of him. He, But he did feed T. Higgins 7 for 115 and a touchdown on nine targets. He is firmly entrenched as a every-week starter right now. Tyler Boyd had 6 for 41 on eight targets. You would have liked to have seen more. I'm surprised he didn't do better, but when T. Higgins goes off like he did, that's what's going to happen. A.J. Green did nothing. Zero catches on five targets on the day. It was just a bad afternoon. Uh, the the offense couldn't get anything rolling, and that's going to happen when your quarterback gets sacked four times and got hit nine times on the day. The matchup, we talked about it. The offensive line slash defensive line matchup for Cincinnati versus Pittsburgh was definitely not in their favor. It was not going to be successful. That's why the... That's why the running backs couldn't get anything going. Giovanni Bernard had eight for 30 on the ground. He also had four catches for 17 yards. Samaj P. Ryan had seven for 48 and a catch for seven yards. Just not a ton, but don't read too much into this. Similar to Houston, Cincinnati has no reason to tank. They're not going to shut their guys down. They're going to play them all year. You can rely on these guys for your fantasy playoffs because they're going to be getting work. I think Joe Mixon finally returns next week, hopefully. If not, the matchup's going to be better. Tyler, did you happen to pull up that Steelers schedule? I did. Uh, so the next four games are going to be Jacksonville, Baltimore, Washington, and Buffalo with Cincinnati, Indianapolis, and Cleveland to follow. So other than that Baltimore and maybe the Indy one, that's a lot of really good matchups. Yeah. Like other than other than the Baltimore and Indy one, so, so Pittsburgh's got a really good chance of being – a team that you should be looking for. So if you're trying to move off of a guy like Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, maybe go put out a feeler to the Deontay Johnson slash Juju owner, maybe even Chase Claypool if you're trying to package Claypool Plus to for Cup. They can be league winners, man. This is how you win your league is you make that, like with the trade deadline coming up, you go and you make that one last move to push you over the top. Anything else you want to add about Cincinnati, no, Tyler? I think the game is pretty straightforward, honestly. Yeah. I will, I will say, 36-10, to 10, I feel like the game was closer than that. It definitely was. Like, Pittsburgh dominated the game, but just Joe Burrow didn't have a bad day. It's just he didn't have an elite day, and that's what's going to happen against these elite teams like Pittsburgh. Let's move on to the Sunday night game. 23-17, to 17, the Patriots take down the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens winning or road winning streak comes to an end. They were there in a 4-1 on the year on the road. 6-3 overall, Patriots 4-5. Bill Belichick continues to be a wizard. He literally conquered, conjured up rain to end that game. That was pretty impressive. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> yeah, right when this game was this game was just messy throughout, though, as well. I mean, uh, but I, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. This is a weird football thing, I guess. But I just love seeing all the guys without gloves, just walking around with bare hands, trying to play football with bare hands. It was pretty cool. You're you know, you're you know, a big foot. You're a big football guy, huh, Tyler? <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm a football like guy, kind of. It's like a weird, like football, like I don't know, like aesthetic. I, I get it. I, I get it. Yeah, because yeah, you're so used to. And there was a thing that got telegraphed. So Jacoby Myers, for those that don't know, had one pass for one, one pass completed for 24 yards. It was a touchdown to Rex Burkhead. But for those that don't know, he telegraphed it because prior to that play, they called a timeout. He had his gloves on. 
after the timeout, no gloves. It became super obvious to That's everyone funny. watching that he was going to be throwing the ball. That's funny. Yeah, I saw somebody point that out on Twitter earlier, and I was like, that right there is football nerdism at its peak. You, like... You have no reason to pay attention to Jacoby Myers' hands, but you're like, hey, he doesn't have gloves on. He's going to throw a touchdown here, and that's exactly what happened. So so that was kind of fun to watch. Uh, Lamar Jackson, 24 of 34, 249 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. That pick was really bad, too, because that was when they were going down, uh, I believe, right at the end of the first half, right, that could have given them a shot of possibly yeah. scoring, scoring again before the half. Um, he had 11 carries for 55 yards. Not great, but it's all right. The backfield became uber messy again. Mark Ingram, five carries for five yards. J.K. Dobbins, five for 13. Gus Edwards, seven for 42. Now, instead of being able to start one of these running backs, you can now start none of these running backs. Yeah, it's just like the Rams. Uh, but if you're picking one, it's probably Gus Edwards because he's the most consistent in terms of... Yeah, he, he's being the most consistent at like, producing. Uh, but let's move on to the receiving group for Baltimore. Mark Andrews kind of had a... Uh, Come back to life game here. Seven seven receptions for 61 yards on nine targets. Willie Sneed still doing things, I guess. Five receptions for 64 yards. Two touchdowns, seven targets. Apparently Lamar loves him. Uh, did you see the little spat between Marquise Brown and Lamar Jackson, though, towards the end of this game? I did not. I kind of turned this game off because it, got, it was ugly, and I had some other stuff that I was working on, so I didn't get the chance to see that. But I'm not surprised. Mark, if I'm Marquise Brown, I'm probably I'm, – I'm ticked off. You're a really talented player, and you're just not getting to show that talent in this offense because it's not. It's you're not like you. He had six targets yesterday, but they weren't quality. Clearly, they weren't quality targets. I bet that probably two or three of those incompletions were just downfield throws. They weren't like schemed up touches. Willie Steed, his first touchdown was a schemed up touch. They had it set up to where it was like a long drag route, and all Lamar had to do was basically like shovel pass at five five feet, and Willie caught it and fell backwards into the end zone. Do that for your t- for your talented players. Get your guys in positions to succeed. No, I completely agree. Let's move on to New England here. Uh, Cam Newton still did Cam Newton things. He's going to finish as a quarterback one because he has the rushing floor. He gets a touchdown every single week. Not a ton of yards, but he gets a rushing touchdown every single week. Uh, Damien Harris is the clear lead back in this offense. I think we can say that now. Even with Sony Michelle returning, I think Damian Harris is going to be the guy. Uh, Jacoby Myers is the only receiver you want right now in that group. Did you know that N. Kill Harry played? I did. He was a great blocker. Yeah. Uh, so uh, He was the uh, lead blocker on Rex Burkhead's second to first touchdown? First touchdown. Yeah. So, so yeah, but he, he was great there. He did a good job at not catching All right, the there's nothing else to add to this game. <laughs> oh, man. This... This NFL season continues to be weird and wacky, Tyler. It's just impossible yes. to predict what's going to happen. Do you want to preview the Thursday night game right quick before we get out of here? Uh, yeah, who's Seattle playing? Seattle, Arizona, <laughs> man. Oh, yes. Um, well, first off, should be a great game. I'm excited for it. Actually, I knew that. I don't know why I didn't know that. I have Kyle Murray and Russell Wilson on one of my teams. Um, but but the... you have a super flex roster with Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray? I do. That's got to be nice. Yeah. It is. It's great. Um, except, you know, Russell Wilson put up negative points in uh, Scott Fishbowl scoring this week. I did see that. Yeah. yeah. Someone said yesterday that that was definitely top 10 uh, thing, like weirdest things to happen this year was Russell Wilson putting up negative points at SFBX. And I'm like, that's not even top. That's not even like top 20, man. This year has been absolute bananas. Yeah. Like, I think Russ is going to have a better day. Uh, DK Metcalf, do you think that he gets shut down again by... No. 
Especially if there's no Tyler Lockett. Uh, they're they're going to get the ball to DK, and he was getting open this past week, so he didn't really get shut down. He was getting open. Russ was just he not was able to get him the ball. Frustrated. Yeah, he was. He was getting. He had one that he beat Jalen Ramsey on, and I think if he like he let up a little too much, and if he doesn't, it's a touchdown. Like yeah. he, it was that double move down the left sideline where he had Ramsey beat, and he got away with a, maybe a little like a little bit of a push off, but it wasn't like dramatic or anything. So, but yeah, I think. I think DK is going to still have a good game. It's going to be interesting if Chris Carson plays. If he doesn't, and Carlos Hyde misses, are you starting Alex Collins with any bit of confidence? Mm, I mean, a little bit. I mean, you have to. There's no running backs. He running backs, so uh, it's I'm true. Sure, he gets defaulted in. But um, yeah, I don't have I don't have much to add about the game. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. We can talk about it on Thursday more. Make sure you're tuning into the Thursday live stream, 6:30 Eastern. That will start. Uh, it usually runs about an hour. Uh, but that will be converted into a podcast for Friday mornings. So that's the next time you'll hear from us is Thursday into Friday. Uh, make sure you're tuning into everything that Game on Wisconsin is doing because there's a lot of really awesome content over there. Uh, we're getting back into the full swing of things and hopefully starting to uh, be able to talk about not only draft content uh, in the coming weeks, so in probably late December we can start you know hitting up some draft content for Dynasty. We'll probably transition then. And, uh, and then Packers will be in the playoffs. So we can talk about Packers playoffs and the NFL draft content. It's the best time of year. So... Hopefully that that's the plan for us. Probably come like week sixteen or seventeen. Uh, that's what we'll be doing. So you'll get us for about another six weeks previewing matchups uh, and reviewing them, and then looking forward, uh, looking forward to that because I know the playoffs are a great time in fantasy. But uh, good luck to everybody as they push through these final weeks. Hopefully you get the the wins you need here or the points you need to be, to beat those tiebreakers to make it to the playoffs uh, in your respective fantasy leagues. I know I'm in a tough spot in a couple of places, but there's like one league where I'm like trying to go like 100% all in, and I'm I'm by far and away with the best team for the year, but I'm still like trying to find every single piece I can find and add them to my roster. So, uh, but I mean that's the only thing I have to add there. Make sure you're liking, rating, and subscribing. Check us out on YouTube. Uh, subscribe to us on any podcast pl- platform that you listen to us on. And uh, please leave us feedback because that's the only way we can get better. Uh, make sure you're coming in on the live streams and asking questions because that's how we can give you the best content possible. So uh, I don't think I need to harp on that anymore. It's the same thing every week. So until next time, go Pack Go.